Tales from the Albright, a podcast by the Scranton Public Library. Today we are here with Scott to discuss the music that has been involved and in the collection at the Scranton Public Library since the earliest I could find was the 1960s. Before then, it seems like we were collecting music and albums and records, but nothing was published. So I'll go into those as well. This all came about because when I went to interview Justine and Chris from the North Pocono Public Library, they gave me a book of records, as in albums, and I brought it back and it inspired talking about how we do have a music collection and we still have it today with CDs. So Scott, would you like to tell us about the item from North Book now? This is, yeah, this, this is very interesting because what it is, it's a Glenn Miller and his orchestra, limited edition volume two RCA Victor. It is what we would call um, in the CD era a box set. Um, in that there is, it's, it's multi-disc and there is a doc, nice little booklet that describes with pictures and liner notes and things like that. This is in a, for, a 45 RPM format, but um, with a hole in the middle, some of us remember those, but it's an EP, meaning it, it has more music on it, it has two songs per side. Those of us who remember 45 RPMs, it was two songs, one on each side. Um, and it is uh, multiple discs, it looks like there's about 12 of them in here. And um, so what, what's interesting about it is in such good condition and it looks like, from what I can tell from this thing, um, it was never actually circulated. In those days, they weren't as concerned about confidentiality as we are now and there was a little, a little slip in there and people would sign them up and put a stamp on it and th- th- I believe the name is Shaw which may be the name of a librarian who was here maybe in the 1950s. Uh, my memory of this, of, of this library goes back to 1986. So um, I, we, think, we, we think what happened was a librarian, it was not something that was circulated to the public. It was maybe kept in a librarian's mm-hmm. office or something. Somehow ended up, um, you know, 60 years later in the North Pocono Public Library. We don't know how, what trip it made there, how it ended up there, but it's very interesting because the format's a little unusual. Records were lent with one week, um, automatic renewals for additional week. Fee of 15 cents per week per record will be charged payable in advance. Oh, how, how do you pay fines payable in advance? Maybe if you knew that you were going on vacation, you could just <laughs> okay. like... Uh, pay whatever a, you estimate. You're you know, I'm going to pay my fines in advance. Um, <laughs> um, you will be held responsible for all damage borrowed on your card number. Um, then it says, this is interesting because this is a bit of a mystery mm-hmm. to us. Do not under any circumstances return records through the auto page or book slot. We know what a book slot is. We don't have one anymore. Auto page. Yes. So I looked into what the auto page was. And essentially, it is a book drop like the ones we currently have on Washington Avenue, where you could just drive your car up and put your books or whatever materials you're returning right in the slot, and you don't have to come into the library. It could be used after library hours. And it was installed on November 13th of 1952. And the Scranton Times gave the reason for it being that so many people were double parking out on the street to run in to return their library books. So the library put in the auto page book return so they could 
try and help patrons avoid tickets and clogging up traffic by double parking. I will say that we, um, you know, as, as, as the head of the library, having the library so popular that it blocks up traffic is a dream of mine. But um, basically, um, and a little bit of historical context too, there used to be student workers at the library. We still have them, but mm-hmm. they're not called pages. They were called pages. And auto page, I guess, meant, meant this was our, you know, automatic mm-hmm. student who took the books. Yeah. Um, we have something similar now, a book drop mm-hmm. out on North Washington. So it's still, a, it's, it's just called something different, but it's still around. So, <laughs> yes. mystery solved. Yeah. And that does jive, by the way, with we believe this is this box set's from the early 1950s. I could not find any date of when it was actually cataloged because that's lost to the ages. But um, early 1950s sounds right. Yeah. And the first articles I could find about the Scranton Public Library having a music collection were in August of 1963. The very first one actually was about recordings of Shakespeare plays that people could check out, like audiobooks today. And then on August 25th, it made its way to more of the traditional music. And the first works that the newspaper highlighted were by Bach, Bella Bartok, Bellini, Puccini, Carlos Montoya, Edith Piaf, and Duke Ellington. It continued for many months, and the last group that it highlighted included Country Music for People Who Don't Like Country, by Herman Selbanoff, and then a selection of speeches, conferences, and off-the-cuff remarks by JFK. What I also found fun is, looking through these, I found highlighted international works as well, so they highlighted records of Mexican folk music, and then one titled Christmas in the Congo, which featured songs in English and Congolese with information about how Christmas is celebrated in the Congo. What's interesting about that, Alyssa, is that notice, okay? We're talking the 1960s, aren't we? Mm-hmm. We're the Beatles. Um, and the, for the country music for people that don't like country sounds like orchestral interpretations yes. of country music. Um, it, it basically, for a long time in the 20th century and before, and well towards the end of it, um, there was a belief that libraries edify. Mm-hmm. So you would have music the edifies classical they had ellington which was wonderful mm-hmm. too um but no rock and roll yeah no rock and roll and um you know by the time i got here in the 80s and we got into the cd era that began to change mm-hmm. and the whole view of libraries too even with books is that some a lot of public libraries do not have bestsellers sometimes because oh well, this is this is trash we want to edify people uh by the time you get into the latter quarter of the 20th century that had all changed whatever people want we give them mm-hmm. <laughs> is basically it so that's interesting that that selection there yeah and it also ties right in with the first full article that promoted music recordings which was published on march 31st in 1968 in the scrantonian and it's titled 1900 record albums keep patrons in tune and it reads have you a yearn to hear some good classical music how about the complete score from a broadway musical comedy or some great jazz recordings drop in at the scranton public library and take your pick of 1900 albums if your friends decide to accompany you all up to four people tune in with the use of earphones 
The record player is situated in the adult department on the first floor. Records range from the classics to the spoken word, dramatic readings. There are also folk songs, chamber music, religious music, marches, poetry, plays, foreign language, instructions, and children's stories. About the only items not available are current pop tunes. <laughs> so no White Album, um, 1968. <laughs> no, it definitely does not seem that way. <laughs> no, that, you know, and it's interesting that they had a listening station here, mm-hmm. um, which was common in libraries in those days. And this, this does kind of correspond to what we do now, where not everyone could afford a turntable at their house, mm-hmm. you can come here and listen to it. Just as now we have a makerspace with, with, you know, with cricket machines mm-hmm. that people and things like that that people can't afford maybe on their own to do can come to the library and do um, or, or video editing and things like that. So it's kind of still what we do. Yes. And we still have the record player. <laughs> we, and we, we have a record player that this is interesting, will turn phonograph records into MP3s. And so, because um, you still need, need to be able to do that sometimes, especially with historic recordings. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so I mean, the, the technology has changed, but it's still part of what the library does is equalize it for every, everyone, because not everyone can access technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and within Makerspace now, we do have the technology where if people want to, they could come in and also record their own music through Audition, mm-hmm. um, which we used to record the podcast. If you want to do that, fill out the form. It's on, um, if you go to albright.org, there's a link right there to request the makerspace, and we could do that as well. Yeah, and the other articles I found, there's one from 1969 that highlights Christmas music at the Providence branch that could be checked out. In November of 1969, Mrs. Elizabeth Short, who was a librarian at the Providence branch of the Scranton Public Library, announced that Christmas albums were able to be borrowed, which highlights how popular Christmas music and holiday music was then as it is now, too. And I know we we still have the collections that are organized by holidays, too. Yeah, yeah so, that, that much hasn't changed. Yeah. And as you know, you can't get away from it <laughs> after Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, it's everywhere. <laughs> it's everywhere. And then the last article that I was able to find that really heavily promoted music recordings at the library was in Library Lines in July of 1988 that pushed Broadway theater recordings. I feel like now we kind of push more of the movie versions of Broadway musicals, but as far as I know, we still have all of the scores and recordings and can get them in. Yeah, and I mean, what you described, the movie versions Mm -hmm. are what's popular. Yes. They're very popular, and so that's why we have those. Um, By the time you get into 1988, you're into the CD era. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things about phonograph records that anyone who is um, old enough, as I am, to collect them back in the day. Um, they had limited, you could only play them a certain number of times before they would wear out, no matter how well you treated mm-hmm. them. And um, you had to treat them well. You couldn't eat fried chicken and put it on the turntable, yeah. <laughs> you know, and they would, even no matter how well they would get scratched. And so that was always an issue here. 
is that, you know, to make sure that um, when they returned, I could still play them. By the time I arrived here in 1986, uh, there were no phonograph records that I can recall, mm -hmm. at least. But then you're into the CD era, which did something completely different in that those can be, those not indestructible, as we found out, but much, much more durable in terms of multiple people playing them mm -hmm. over a long course of time. So that, that, was, that was a great thing for the library for CDs to come. You know, and by then, there was no prohibition against, as it was called, pop tunes. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, it was anything, anything goes. And we try to be, I was involved in those days in the curating, um, myself and some other folks, mm -hmm. of that collection. And it was, we try to be very, very diverse in, in terms of genres um, and eclectic that we, that we collected. Because yeah. we were building it from scratch at that point. Yeah, and then it's kind of making sure a little bit of everything, suggestions from people, what patrons want. That's and right. That's basis from there. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then an interesting project that I know of, um, when I was at Simmons going through getting my Master's of Library Science, one of the women in my classes was working for um, the Northeast Conservation Center. And they were taking high-resolution photos of records to preserve them for the future and had a program where you could play the record back from the highly detailed images of records. And I know that's evolved. Um, I believe I've read a Smithsonian article about how that's evolved where they're hoping to use the same sort of technology on ancient pottery to try and get the sounds of the time that might have been inscribed when they were making pottery and that sort. That's really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to um, recordings, as we know here, mm -hmm. because we have the piece of equipment, is you can simply convert them to, to MP3s, mm -hmm. and then, then it's digital at that point. Um, and so um, there isn't a need to analyze the grooves, per se, yeah. because the computer will do that for you, mm -hmm. essentially. And, um, you know, so... Um, I, I um, and we will we have this service for mm -hmm. people is I my grandfather was a pianist and uh, I found a recording from the early 1950s mm -hmm. of him um, which hadn't been played probably in 40 years and I was able to digitize it and hear him and yeah. he was wonderful I mean I heard about him mm -hmm. but I could actually hear him so that's a great thing mm -hmm. so people you may have things in your family because people were able to make records. You could, there's places in town yeah. where you can go and make records. And, um, you know, some people might have them around and not listen to them. Mm -hmm. um, so that's something we can do here. Absolutely. We have the equipment yeah. to do that. Um, you know. And also the other side of it, it's a lot easier now than it was in the, in the latter half of the 20th century to make your own recordings. You don't need um, a machine to, 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 to cut a disc or anything like yeah. that, or even a cassette recorder. Um, mm -hmm. You can do that on a computer, and that can be done here as well. Oh, I so. remember cassette recording when I was a kid. And it was yeah. just like trying to time things perfectly. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was that was something. That yeah. was something. So been a lot of changes, mm -hmm. um, certainly. Of course, the biggest one now is the move to M first thing that happened was MP3s removed the physical uh, media. Mm -hmm. And for libraries that became an issue is how do you borrow a file? And that also some of us remember the Napster. Um, you know, controversy of people sharing files that mm -hmm. were copyrighted. 
um, and intellectual property for free. Mm -hmm. um, and um, what had to happen there is, as with ebooks too, is, is digital rights management that allows you to borrow an ebook. Um, and so, but now there, there is no physical media, so what can a library do, especially with music? There really isn't anything that has substituted for the physical CD mm -hmm. that we can do, you know, with, with, with the physical file, having that kind of control, just to, just to borrow a file. Yeah. Um, and now we're in an era where you don't even own anything physical at all. A lot of people just stream. Mm -hmm. um, I personally will buy MP3s and keep them on my computer because I want to own something. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people don't care about that. They will actually stream. And so we're mm -hmm. in a completely different era where people don't borrow music as much as they mm -hmm. did, um, you know, in, the, in 20 years ago. It's a different, it's a different era. Yeah. yeah, I um, contacted Victoria, who's the head of our tech services department, to find out how many CDs we actually have in our collection. And across all of the branches and here at the Albright, there are 3,695 music recording CDs. And then 433 of those are specifically children's music from the Lackawanna County Children's Library because I just wanted some numbers to compare to where it was because the earliest newspaper article, it was 1900. So even though CDs are kind of being phased out slightly by the music industry, it we still have a decent collection that anyone can come and borrow. And they're all cataloged, so you can search from home and put holds on them and anything else like books. And people still do borrow them. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we have them, definitely. Yes. And then to end the episode, I thought it would be fun to look at the music recordings and random music found in the local history collection. And the first one I want to talk about is the 50th anniversary souvenir song for Scranton called Scranton, but spelled out in letters. And it was written by John Rybel and set to music by Floyd Whitmore in 1916. Copies of the lyrics and music were available to be purchased, and we're not really 100% sure what the song sounds like. We just have the sheet music and lyrics here in the vertical file, and we're looking to see who plays music to give us an idea of what it may have sounded like. But it's kind of a YMCA version of Scranton, where it goes through S stands for Scranton, and then each letter stands for something else. So that is something. What do they stand for, Alyssa? Okay, yes. These are the exact lyrics from the chorus. S stands for Dear Scranton, the town where I was born. C is for the courtesy and welcome you will find. R means ready for the market. A for cold of anthracite. N for northern Pennsylvania. T for the town of modern ways. On for Onward and Progressive, and for National Scranton Praise. And then it cycles back through, and it goes through, there's mountains, references that were called the Electric City, where all your friends are, and there's good times. That's fun. And the only article I could find about it just says that it was written. And it was, was written. <laughs> that's it. Sorry. It was written, like many other things. Yeah, it's, it's honestly, it just goes, John Rybal wrote a song called Scranton. That's the 50th anniversary souvenir song. 
And that's about the entire article. Okay. <laughs> and the only reference I could find to it in papers. Well, maybe we can find uh, someone who would be willing to play it and record it, and then yeah. we, we can, um, you know, we can we can, we can put it out on our website yeah. and uh, social media, and people can actually hear it. Um, mm -hmm. Though trying to find someone to sing it um, might be yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> Any, so, any singers and pianists out there? Yes. <laughs> we Email would love me. to revive this song. <laughs> and then we also have um, copies of the official song of Scranton, which is Scranton Town. And it was written by Michael Gianetta, who wanted to foster good feelings about the city of Scranton. And Mayor McNulty heard the song and declared it Scranton's official theme song in 1982. On the other side of the record is Steamtown USA, which was also written by Michael Gianetta. And both of them were released on a 45 in 1983, and it cost $2.50 with proceeds benefiting Steamtown National Historic Sites moved to the Scranton area, as the majority of their collection had originally been held in Vermont. And then the song's lyrics were published in the newspaper for both of them. Um, Steamtown USA has some great train noises in the background. And then Scranton Town is just about how Scranton's great. And we'll be able to play a little bit this, I guess, for yes. our listeners. Yeah. Um, we were able to use... Convert the conversion yeah. to the MP3. <laughs> right, yeah. And we'll, we'll play little snippets of it. Copyright does not allow us to, to play the entire thing. Yeah. But we'll pay, yeah, play a little bit for you. After all is said and done, you were always number one. Scranton Town, it's our town. Scranton Town. Memories of yesterday. Scranton Steam Town. Scranton Steam Town, USA. And if you want to hear them, we have them up here in the reference department in the local history section. So just stop in and we can pull them and get the record player out and set it up and listen to it. <laughs> Was there anything that I missed that you wanted to discuss? I think we covered, um, you know, the cultural changes mm -hmm. and how libraries viewed um, its role from the purveyor of good taste to if people want it, we will provide it for mm -hmm. you. We're not going to judge what you listen to to this day. And so that has changed over time. And certainly the technology has changed from phonograph records to um, CDs and now to, to medialess mm -hmm. music delivery. And so that has certainly changed. So you, cover, you covered all that. I think it's very interesting, very interesting story. Yes. Well, thank you for joining me. Happy to do it. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or you play an instrument and sing and would like to revive the Scranton song that was for the 50th anniversary souvenir song, uh, please email me at aloney at albright.org. That is A-L-O-N-E-Y at albright.org. Or feel free to call the library at 570-348-3000. Thank you.